Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, we have none other than Alex Vola. Alex is the founder of a successful beauty brand, Runway Room, and training academy for people pursuing a career in makeup. She's a photographer, a wife, a mum of four daughters, and a woman who has had to live some of the darkest moments of her life while the whole country watched, and is now adding to a long list of her achievements with her new book, Silver Linings. So firstly, welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Now, the Imperfectly Perfect campaign is all about uncovering the person behind who people think they know. And I suppose which leads nicely towards your book, which is how I came across your powerful story in the first place and reached out to you after being in a bookstore and picking it up purely from the title. It really drew me to it. And reading through several chapters before I thought I better buy it or get thrown out of Dimmocks, <laughs> I just wanted to give our audience a brief premise behind the book. So Silver Linings is a story of resilience from an Australian woman who knows more than most what it takes to bounce back from hardship. Life has dealt Alex Vivola many lows and highs, not least of which she experienced through a turbulent relationship with AFL football great Brendan Favola. Now successful businesswoman and founder of her own makeup brand, mum to four beautiful daughters and reunited with Brendan, Alex Favola is ready to share her emotional journey. This is a story of triumph over adversity and pain and making it through to the other side stronger than before. So your story, although it really takes you to some lows and you really do bring the audience along with you on your journey, can I just say personally, after reading it and not putting it down, it's both inspiring and empowering. And that's what I want this podcast to be about, because I know you've openly spoken about you wanting people to take something away from it to empower them. And as we know, the Imperfectly Perfect campaign is a lot about uncovering the person behind what people portray. You've been in the, the public eye for a long time through your marriage, but also as a businesswoman, had a lot of successes, but this is about your story. So I suppose with me knowing the premise behind it, at 22 years old, can you take us back from that start of the journey when, when that dark period was for you? Yes. Yeah, so um, I wrote Silver Linings um, because of what I went through early in my life. I think um, as you mentioned, people may know some of what I went through later on in life with my my marriage and um, the, the public things that happened to me. But the the motivation behind writing um, a memoir or autobiography was more about what I went through early on in my life, and and the reason was because at the time I did feel incredibly um, isolated and alone, and and I had really wanted. Um, to connect with somebody that had been through what I what I uh, went through, which I will get to, um, and that I guess it was about yeah connecting with others and and ho- giving hope and sharing what what I went through and how I sort of found my way out of that that darkness, um, and then obviously consequently I went on to have other experiences in my life which you know I, I do also talk about in the book and I think it's really just about sharing my 
coping mechanisms and how I found hope in those times. Um, but yeah, at 22, I lost the father of my child. Um, he took his own life and um, I went through a really very, very dark time. Um, I had a brand new baby. She was only four and a half weeks old. And then I, the very same day, I, I actually hemorrhaged from complications um, during childbirth and went through my own sort of life-threatening experience. And so it was, it was a really, really very strange and eerie time in my life. It was just the, the circumstances almost seem unbelievable when, when you're sort of reading it or when I was writing about it. Some of the things that I was looking at, I'm like, gosh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it. Like if I made this up as a story, it mm. just seems ridiculous. Um, but it was what I went through and, and it was a really very, very difficult time. But the reason I called the book Silver Linings was because I did find silver linings throughout that period. As, as dark and horrible as it was, um, some of the things that you may think would have compounded my situation actually made, you know, one made the other seem less important. So the physical stuff that I went through, I ended up hemorrhaging, I had to have surgery, then they botched the surgery and uh, I ended up with a colostomy for four and a half months. And that that um, experience would have been quite unbearable at any other time in my life, but because I was dealing with the grief of losing my partner, a new baby, it was like, uh, I can't even explain it, but it was just like it was just another thing and it was something that I had to get up and I had to deal with and I went through the motions and functioned in it and it was just the strangest thing because it almost helped me in a way because I had to focus and I had to be quite diligent in looking after myself and then looking after my baby and it was just like I guess it kept me going and it kept me, it also gave me a very quick, um, I guess, reality check and shock when I when I did nearly lose my life because I like didn't recognize that they'd actually um perforated the uterus and they didn't realize I was bleeding internally and um so I actually got toxemia and came quite close to you know not being able to recover um so that experience really quickly I think shocked me into realizing although I may have been thinking I didn't want to go on and I couldn't live without you know, my partner and it just made me realise very, very quickly that um, I needed to be, I needed to be okay because we had a baby and, you know, I was all she had and, yeah, so as, as weird and whatever as it sounds, it, it did help me find that reason and to live and survival instinct, I guess. Mm. So as, as, and that was the premise around 22 years of age, so not only you went through your own trauma you also took on the trauma of, of losing a partner as well and a newborn. How did you, and I suppose social media has come a long way as attesting to the IPC with people having these open conversations, but yeah. several years ago, it wasn't as open. So did you have a support network or were there times, and delving past surface level conversations here, were there times where you was trying to handle it all because how did you deal with grief not knowing about it at such a young age? Yeah, well, so back then there was no social media. So there was really no way of connecting with 
unless you knew someone or a friend of a friend, there was really no no one in my circle um, that had been through what I'd been through or was going through. And I hadn't even lost a grandparent. Oh, no, I hadn't even lost a grandparent at that stage. So it was my first experience with grief other than a family pet. So it was a very, very big shock and it was um, it was really hard. That was the hardest the hardest part of that time was dealing with grief. It's it's such a terrible, terrible thing to to go through. And I think, you know, again, that was really my main reason as, as why I wanted to write about it and share with others so that they don't feel that isolation. Because I think the biggest thing that I kept thinking at the time for me when I was trying to find some sort of hope was that I just wanted to know that it was going to get better because at that time it really felt like I was never going to be able to shake that dread and that the black cloud that just followed me everywhere. And I felt like I was never going to be able to feel any sense of happiness ever again. That seemed impossible at that point in time. So I really, yeah, I really just had wished for somebody to come and tell me I've been where you are and I'm here to tell you it does get easier, it gets better, you will learn to cope and live with this and and you will be happy again because that was, yeah, that was my fear. At the time it just felt completely and utterly hopeless, like there was never going to be a happy moment in my life again. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think sharing our stories and um, really is what gives people hope. If you've seen someone else that's gone through something similar and they're there telling you yep this is what happened to me and this is how I felt particularly when they can identify those similar feelings and go yeah that's how I feel right now so yes I, I think had social media been around back then I may have it may have been a, not easier but I may have been able to connect with other people that that yeah. had been through things but yeah, it was really isolating at that age and because, I mean, you know, who loses their partner at 22? It's it's not a common thing to go through. So, yeah. yeah. And I know I know you've spoken openly about this, which which just for our audience, um, the whole premise of IPC is I lost a friend's suicide and one of the things I couldn't quite grasp was my friend's partner having to sit down their child and explain what had happened. Now, you speak openly about how, you told your daughter there was an accident so she could have a normal upbringing. So with the book, I suppose, you've also spoken about journaling the whole way through these processes and you've always done that. So was that something you sat down with your daughter and you went through along that process before this book as well? And yeah, how yeah. did you go through that? Yeah, so um, I basically told my daughter that um it was an accident and he had fallen out of a tree mm. so and I still don't know and we will never know whether he actually intended to go ahead and completely end his life or whether it was something that he thought he could get out of because I won't go into a lot of detail but there, there was a sense of maybe he didn't really think he was going to mm. actually end his life at that point so I felt like it was a terrible, tragic accident. It was something that had gone very wrong. Um, and I wanted Mia to have a childhood of happiness and I didn't want her having that black cloud and that. And just those horrible thoughts and, and visions of, of that. So that was sort of, she'd always known that from 
before she can remember. That was just information she knew. Um, but as she got older, I would disclose little bits of information here and there and we'd have little conversations here and there. And I just, because I, I also didn't ever want her to have to go through a big shock or, a, you know, a, a moment where there's this sudden clarification of, you know, all this information at once. So I kind of broke it to her over a period of years, mm-hmm. little bits and pieces, more and more here and there until in the end she just kind of, by the time she was, you know, sort of 17, I think, she she knew, 17, 18 probably, um, she knew majority of, of what had happened and more about that, yeah, that time in my life. Um, and, yeah, it's also why I didn't release the story earlier was because I wanted all of my kids to be a bit older, but particularly Mia, to have a full understanding of the whole story. Yeah. And, I mean, through that, what would you say your whole premise is is about giving that silver lining to people who may be going through similar experiences and, and resonating with your story and taking something from it? If you could give any piece of advice, because you did find love again, you did find your happiness again. So just from personal experience, a little bit of advice for someone who may be going through it? Yeah, definitely. Um, my advice, I think, is for if you have lost someone and you are experiencing that kind of grief, is to, to not lose hope, to keep moving forward and to know, actually know and believe that there is happiness for you and it's okay to be happy again because I think there's also such a feeling of, guilt and and um you know a feeling of it's almost like you need permission to be happy you want you don't want people to to judge you for being happy again and falling in love again and I think that's probably my biggest advice is to know it is totally okay to fall in love again and to and to know that you know as long as you keep moving forward and you keep on that positive path and finding those reasons to keep going and um, believing that it will get better. I think that's probably the most important thing is to actually believe that, yes, it is going to get better. Time will make me feel better. Mm. And it's a horrible journey that we have to go through. And I think know that it's not going to be easy, but that's completely normal. And everybody that's going through this journey will have those feelings and those terrible times. And that's okay because you're not going to stay there. I think that's, probably my biggest advice is just know that it will pass and you will, you will find happiness again. Yeah. And I think one of the things I picked up from reading it and, and, and just reading between the words is you've really got a strong resilience because your prior, um, you was a photographer and obviously you did fall back in love again. And then what came with that was being in the public eye, which I presume you'd never experienced to the extent you have, so how does it go or how does it feel from suddenly going from your everyday life to suddenly in that public eye? And then whatever we've been through, you fell in love, like all marriages go through things, but then having your life played out in the public, um, how do you navigate through those areas of people? And again, towards the IPC, thinking they know something of your life when actually they don't know the whole story. Yeah, it's again, it was something I, I wasn't prepared for. Um, and I don't, it, it's another thing that you can't really know uh, or what it's going to be like and, and how you're going to handle it until you're in it. And 
uh, I guess that was something that I really struggled with. It was the the idea people had of me, the assumptions they'd made of the kind of person I was, and it was so far against my beliefs and my morals and I, the person I believed I was. So that was I really did struggle with that because I felt. Um, oh, how can I explain it? I just felt so misunderstood. And mm. in the beginning, when Brendan and I were together, um, when we did receive negative press, again, social media hadn't really taken off yet. It was just before social media sort of really got going. And so there wasn't much of a voice for people to defend themselves. If you tried to do an interview, again, it would be manipulated to suit the narrative. So it was like there was a, it was a no-win situation. And it is something that being in the public eye, you just, that's just, you know, part of um, having a profile that, like Brendan's, I was just the collateral damage that sort of, you know, I wasn't the one with the profile, but obviously I became known for being his wife and therefore, um, you know, people are going to pass judgment and they're going to make assumptions on, on what the general um, narrative had been established by by the media. So it was difficult. That was difficult, not having those tools, not being prepared to deal with it. But at the same time, you know, I hate sort of sounding like it's I'm complaining about it because there was also so many amazing, incredible, wonderful things that came with that. So, you know, the, there was frustrating times, but on a whole, you know, we wouldn't change any of it. We're very fortunate and we're very lucky to be in the positions we're in, and a lot of that is due to Brendan having the profile he's had. So, yeah, good. They outweigh each other. But e- equally, though, so 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 Brendan's got that profile. But again, the successes that you've had, like what you've achieved with Runway, and obviously your first book, your photography book, and everything yeah. else, is amazing in itself. So to go from that, I know that there's a lot of people, as we are in the flesh. We do compare, we do judge, we do think someone else's life is better. And one thing that this this campaign has shown me, being in front of people like yourself, everyone around the world, no matter who they are, it's like fame doesn't make you happy, money doesn't make you happy always. Yeah, exactly. What lessons would you learn? Do you think the maturity of being in that public eye, certainly there's waves of growth of lessons that you have to go through and go... I need a thicker skin in here. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest lesson I've learned is you're never going to please everybody. And every there's, as much as there's the haters and there's the judges, there's also the supporters and there's people that think you're great and there's people that can't stand you. And no matter what you do, you're never going to win those people over. And and I think, you know, being true to yourself and, and um, really not, learning how to not take that on board and and just knowing who you are I think that does come with maturity when you're younger you sort of question everything and you self-doubt all the time and when you've got the outside noise as well it, it can be overwhelming but I think the lesson I would the lessons I would say I've learned is to be true to yourself be very if, as long as you're authentic and you're not trying to be something you're not and I think that's yeah, that's probably the, the greatest lesson is just be yourself and, um, you know, you can't please everyone and, and you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that and that's okay. Like 
that's just life. I think, like you said, um, fame doesn't make you happy. Money doesn't make you happy. No, what makes you happy is gratitude and really understanding, um, you know, what's important in life and being grateful for what you have and look at what you have and how fortunate you are, not what you don't have and not comparing yourself to anyone else. I think that's probably my biggest advice is just to be thankful for what you have. Keep striving for more, always. You always want to keep working towards things that you want, but, you know, really being grateful in the moment for the things that you do have. Yeah. And one question I do like to ask people is because, like I said at the beginning, your whole premise is if you, by sharing your story, can impact and help somebody else, has there been a moment since the book's come out, you've got amazing reviews and, and everything that I've been reading, but besides the noise in terms of that respect, has there been somebody who's reached out to you and it's, it's impacted their lives where it's actually, it's took you back and you've gone, oh my God, sharing my story has just blown me away from one particular story? There's actually been a couple, um, but there's been a lot of, a, an awful lot of people that are, have reached out, as you said, and, and connected with me and, and told me that basically reading that book has changed their whole perspective and they've gotten up like a new woman the next day. And that, that's been incredible. And I, I was really hoping that the book would make people feel something. That was something I really had hoped that I could do the story justice. I knew the story itself was quite interesting and people would be shocked by some of the things that are in the book, but I wasn't sure that I would be able to write it in a way that would really do it justice. But um, the feedback I've had has been so incredible and I'm just so thrilled that it has connected with people on a level where it's actually made them feel different. But one of those people um, that reached out to me was actually... Um, one of the paramedics that had had taken me um, to the hospital for my partner's funeral. So I obviously was connected to, you know, drips and um, I couldn't get up at that stage. I just had a major surgery. So the day of the funeral I had to go um, via an ambulance on a gurney with a nurse by my side and um, one of the paramedics reached out. It was actually him and his father that were the paramedics that day. And that was really touching. He said that in all the thousands of jobs that his dad had done, he'd never seen his dad cry. And that for some reason, that particular job really, it stuck with his dad and it, and it really upset him that day um, seeing the situation. It was just such a sad situation so that was really special because I, I hadn't even thought about the paramedics that had taken me because I was in such a state. I, did, I, I, I remember the nurse. The nurse was with me a, a lot of the time in the hospital as well. So I really, she made a big impact on me. But it's things like that that you don't even realise that when an event like someone taking their life happens, the ripple effect and the people it affects beyond friends and family you don't realise, you just don't realise. And, and that was one of those moments where I thought, my goodness, you know, that really affected that man to the point where he was in tears and, you know, it just has such an impact on people. And so it's so important that people like yourself are uh, bringing that awareness and really, um, you know, shining a light on not just the, the people who take their lives but also those that are left behind because it's something that's very, very, very hard to 
to deal with. Yeah, and I think people don't realise sometimes it, it, it's almost the fact of with this campaign, there are people who have been through struggles themselves, but also people on the external friends and family, because like you say, it affects everybody. Um, but just moving slightly away from that, just to some of your achievements as well, being in the public eye and then obviously starting your business and being successful in, in that, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show as well. And that comes with a whole different struggle, doesn't it? So <laughs> how, how have you gone from transitioning to being a mother, being a wife, trying to juggle everything as well? Because again, this is a thing about people looking in glass houses and throwing stones and, and looking in going, well, you wouldn't have that if you want for that, or you've got it easier because of this, that, and the other. And look, yeah. I think there's a lot of that, that that goes on because they don't know the whole story as well. So can you yeah. just take us in a little bit about that and your journey? In yeah. yeah, for sure. So um, I think with my business, I think probably one of the misconceptions early on was that I just one day decided to become a photographer and and I um, I just started doing that and I did the book and, and what have you and it was sort of a, you know, an overnight thing that sort of happened um, but it wasn't. It was something I've done since I was young. I was a makeup artist first, then I went into photography and I had a very successful business before I met Brendan and, and it was a huge passion and um, still to this day, you know, that that's what I'm still doing. Um, the hard work that went into establishing what I'm doing today, um, so Runway Room is a cosmetic brand and it started in service. We started offering, we were Australia's first hair fully um, one-stop shop hair makeup beauty bars um, I worked you know every hour um, I, I was six sometimes seven days a week you know eight to 12 hour days depending on the day uh, I had a young family at the time and I did that those kind of hours in the salon um, for the first six years of the business so I worked incredibly hard it wasn't something I had an idea, put my name to and had a team sort of doing it. Mm. You know, I started from scratch. I was a one-man show. I hired one or two people when I opened my first salon, um, a hairdresser and another makeup artist, and it was us. And it was us who, you know, did every hour, every makeup, every, you know, going and setting up expos and um, the travelling to, to source our packaging and, you know, the designing, the the photography, the the marketing, I did absolutely everything myself because I didn't have a budget for a marketing manager or, you know, or a photographer to outsource that. Or So it was very, very much a business I started from scratch and built from ground up and it, and it has evolved. It's been 10 years now, 10 years this year since I started or opened the first salon. Um, but prior to Run My Room, I was still doing makeup and photography, but I was, it was just me and I was specialising more in weddings. Um, so I've been doing it my whole life. It's been, you know, my life's passion. Um, and, yes, it's been incredibly hard. So I think to other entrepreneurs, you know, it's never going to come easy. Success of, on any level, and, I, I mean, I, you know, certainly haven't made it. I'm still striving and I'm still, you know, desperately trying to grow my brand. Um but yeah, it's been really hard work, but I've loved every minute. And I think that's probably the reason why it's been able to be successful to the point it is today. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that because I think that 
some feedback that we get from entrepreneurs is that they're really connecting and understanding because as we see with social media and marketing these days, there's a lot of things out there that pertain to be, I can make you this amount of money in this amount of time. And like you've just said there, it, it's just people see this with, with you guys on and celebrities and this, that, and the other. And I was like, it was a one man show. I turned up with my laptop and, and garage band and press record and, and no marketing. I've got two kids. I've got mortgages. I've got, and it's hard bloody work. And sometimes there's tears. There's every, even there's a guy, you're just like, how can I afford to like feed my family when I'm doing this? And it's, yeah. it's a lot. And I think people don't realize that sometimes, especially when you are in the public eye and think that. So I think yeah. it just, it, it, just the resilience that, that just comes through everything that you've been through. And I suppose my last two questions would be one that I ask everybody that comes on through what you've been through, through the lows, through the highs, through the entrepreneurial journey. What does it mean to you to be perfectly perfect? Um, I think being imperfectly perfect would would probably mean being authentic and being honest and when you are connecting with others and sharing your story particularly, making sure it is an honest recount so that people can see that we're all flawed, we all have imperfections, We nobody has the perfect life even though it may appear they do. Um, you know, we all have our issues and it's how you deal with them. I think that's what being perfectly imperfect means to me is um, how you deal with those issues and how you move on and grow from them rather than let them destroy you. Love that. Love that. So last question then. With, I was just going to say, have you got anything coming up? Obviously the book is out. Have you got any other projects that's coming out that you'd just like to, to share with people and where people can find you? Well, yes. So Runway is um, is going to launch a genderless range. So it's for men, women, everybody, every gender, uh, and it's so exciting. Probably won't be out towards the end, till towards the end of the year. But um, it's really exciting. I've actually sort of developed a whole new product um, that uh, I actually haven't even spoken about it yet. But I will speak about it today. It's called um, Brosh. So it's not a bronzer and it's not a blush. It's Brosh, and it's basically a sun-kissed dusting of, um, of, you know, a healthy glow for men and women. It's um, a brand-new product that no one's really developed or no one's really sort of um, had anything like it. So that's something really innovative that we're really proud of that we'll be hopefully launching um, towards the end of the year. And we're also doing, um, in the gentlest rage, a product called Face Shade, which is it's kind of like it's um, skincare with camouflage so for yourself for instance um you're not wearing makeup not wearing tinted moisturizer even it's actually skincare with a little bit of camouflage so it'll just even your skin tone out a little bit it'll blur any imperfections and just make you look a little bit fresh but it's also spf um, so it'll protect you from the sun and it's got a bunch of age prevention and hydration ingredients and anti-inflammatory and yeah, so I'm really excited about that. That's coming out towards the end of the year, and um, and yeah, and it's our 10 year anniversary. So we're we're going to be doing a bit of a media um, a media buzz about our 10 years. We've got some new products launching, and yeah, that's happening mid year. 
See, and look at that, that that goes to show is when when certain people are saying that they can get success really quick and it's like, no, it took me 10 years to get successful and I'm still going, I'm still trying. Oh, uh, where can people find out where to where to get your book? I, I obviously saw it in many bookstores and um, where's the best place to reach you, follow you, Instagram or? Yeah, so um, Instagram is Alex Favola Makeup um, or Runway Room, which is the brand, the beauty brand. Um, and the book can be found in all good bookstores. Um, it's in department stores, so Kmart, Big W, um, Target and Dimex and um, all the independents and also on the Runway Room website as well. We also have, we're, at, we're sold out at the minute, but we're waiting for some more stock. So, um, but yeah, all Kmart, Big W, they've got it all. And um, yeah, you can find the book there amazing well i will put all the links up as soon as the podcast comes out guys so remember to follow alex read the stories absolutely inspirational the resilience there as i said but make sure to keep having the hard conversations guys because it is the hard conversations that saves lives so until next time take care and keep talking To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.